The Zone with Jason Anderson. There's not a week that goes by where Coach Coach Reed isn't going to get on you, man. He's, he, that's, his, that's his job, you know. Sometimes you just got to be like, take it easy, roller coaster tycoon. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Bit of a heck of a day already here. Chiefs training camp in St. Joe. We've got two full veteran squad practices under our belts and uh, didn't even take any official parts of the first practice to lose Kadarius Tony for an undetermined period of time. Today, we heard from Steve Spagnuolo, who had a lot of interesting things to say. Travis Kelsey may have broken even more Kadarius Tony news. Uh, and then also, the rest of the team continues to operate without Chris Jones in St. Joe. We'll talk about all that right now with our guy, Matt Verderam. You can read his work on SI.com, part of Sports Illustrated, SI.com. You can uh, check out the uh, MMQB every once in a while. You're all over the place over there at SI Verderam. I, I really appreciate that. But there's one thing I wanted to talk about first before we get to all the, uh, you know, real serious training camp stuff. I know you're with me on this one. I saw those those Colts uniforms that they uh, released a few days back, and I just thought, man, those are sweet, and the Chiefs need to hop on this alternate uniform train pretty soon, and I'm, I'm sure you're with me. Whoever created those Colts uniforms should be given life without parole. <laughs> Hey, that is, those are so embarrassing. If I was a player, I'd be, I'm not, I, no, I'm sorry. I, can't. I mean, all monochrome blue, like bright blue with a black helmet. You're, you're the Colts. You're not some expansion team. You're the Colts. You're Johnny Unitas and Peyton Manning. What you, just stop with this, this, this crap that these teams wear. Put on a real uniform and go out there and win a game. Maybe that could be the things. I think. I think a few years back, the NBA did it to where there was a whole other alternate that was available for teams who'd made the playoffs. They called them the earned uniforms. Maybe they can at least start there. So, like, hey, Jets and Colts and all of these loser teams that haven't won anything in forever, make the playoffs, and then you can start to to putz around with the color uh, palette. Well, the NBA. I mean, I, there there's just no shame. No. The NBA is to a point now that every franchise has about seventy five different uniforms, and you can go out and get a uniform. Like I, I'm a Knicks fan. I cannot stand when the Knicks wear their city uniforms. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not even ugly. I just can't stand the fact that like, they're the New York Knicks. Like, what are you doing? And then they wear them occasionally during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's like this circular thing on the front of the jersey. It's just like, city never sleeps. Yeah, that's nice. Put on your uniforms and lose like you normally do. <laughs> like, I, at least if you lose looking good, I can live with it. It, dri- it drives me. I'm a traditionalist with that stuff. And I love that we're getting the throwback uniforms, yes. but some of these things, I mean, Mike, who put that together? And it was like, that looks awesome. Let's do that. But it doesn't matter because no one's going to see the Colts inside of Indianapolis and star season anyway. But the throwbacks, though, have been almost unanimously sweet. Like, the I am excited yeah, to see awesome. the creamsicles back, the Oilers back. Uh, how do you feel about the, the – t- we are having this discussion pre-show. I have not actually litigated it yet. How do you feel about the Titans wearing the Oilers throwbacks and some Texans fans being mad about it? How do you land land on the the logic of this? Well, so I understand it, and I do empathize. But at the same point, they own the history of the team, and so they're the only ones who can wear it. And I love those uniforms, so I'm all for seeing those uniforms. I do understand the argument. 
on the flip side of that, uh, I was old enough to remember when the Oilers moved. And let me tell you, they moved because about 8,000 people were showing up to the Astrodome <laughs> the game. Okay, so this idea that somehow Houston was, like, incredibly wrong, no, they, they, they were not. Um, also, and, and I know it's, it's a little bit of semantics, they actually were the Oilers in Tennessee for a year. Oh, yeah, so, sure. I, you know, I mean, it, it, again, it's a little bit of, like, tomato-tomato, but they, they did wear them in Tennessee for a season. I am I am sympathetic to the eight thousand Houston Oilers fans who now see the Oilers playing in Tennessee. Essentially, I I'm with you on that, but it's the it's the team. It would be very strange if the Cowboys went with Dallas Texans uniforms at some point. I would not know how to deal with that. Yeah, but again, like the the Chiefs have worn Dallas right. Texans uniforms, right. Right. right? So I mean, it's. I think those should belong to the Chiefs, but I don't really want the Chiefs to wear them anyway, but I definitely don't want the Cowboys to wear them either. So those can just stay in mothballs. Yeah, and I've seen that's the one weird argument. I've seen people are like, you know, people just like these throwback uniforms because of nostalgia. It's like, okay, look, yeah, there's definitely some nostalgia with some of these uniforms, but there are plenty of uniforms nobody's asking anybody to put back on. Yes, that's true. Just go out, like, just go, and all these things are done for money anyway, all these new uniforms, the alternate uniforms. If I were the Buccaneers, I would just go back to the cream shovels. Yeah. Like, do you know how much money you're going to make selling those uniforms? Like, you know, if you're the Broncos and you go back to, like, the 1980s look, yes. how many uniforms yes. you're going to sell? How many mini helmets you're going to sell at the team store? How many full-size helmets you're going to sell? Like, to me, yeah, I'm, I'm all for the throwbacks. Uh, I am looking forward to the uh, Eagles unveiling their Kelly Green ones here mm. coming day. Oh, I can't wait for those. The Broncos are the most inexcusable ones. Their, their current uniforms look dated. The uh, the the smoke out of the nose of the Bronco coming out of the D. That right, that is an all timer, and they just they need to embrace that. So at least we've got that litigated. So now maybe you can tell me what to uh, to think about Chris Jones, Matt, because uh, I was, and I guess Andy Reid was a little bit surprised to not have Jones reporting to camp. It's it's not really how he's done things in the past. We get the report from Schefter that the two sides are far apart. We know that's coming from the agent side help yep. us sort through a little bit what's what's fact what's fiction uh what's noise right now on chris jones so from my reporting it has been dead silent from from the chief side things now our front nate taylor got a little bit of a nugget out that the problem is that jones wants 30 million dollars a year if he wants 30 million dollars a year i don't think he's ever getting another contract in kansas city mm. i just think they give it to him I mean, now, now, with that said, it depends on how the thing is structured. I mean, right. if they do or it's like $28 million a year in the first three years, then they just give him some big payment at the end he's never going to see to make it technically $30 million a year, that's one thing. Like, okay, fine. If it's actually legitimately like Chris Jones wants whatever, four and 120 and 90-some-odd million guaranteed, I don't think he's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, that that becomes a real world where I think the Chiefs would – say either, well, we're going to play out this year and then go from there, or uh, you can start talking to our teams and see who's going to give you that deal. Because that's the other part of this. You know, everybody keeps equating to Tyree Kill, and it's not equivalent to Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's situation happened in March when everybody in the league had the most amount of cash space that they're going to have. Tyree Kill is also a year younger than Chris Jones. If you're going to trade for, if, like, if, if it got to the point where Jones wanted out, Jesus weren't going to do the deal, 
Jones would have to then go to a team that would have to give up a boatload of compensation just to get him. And then that team would have to give him, apparently, 30-plus million dollars a year. Like, who's doing that? I'm not saying nobody would do that. But you're talking about a very small group of teams because the Chiefs aren't trading them in the division. They're not going to trade them to an AFC contender. There are other teams like the Giants and the Commanders who just flat don't need them because they already paid their defensive tackles huge money. The Rams are another example. Teams that are awful are not going to trade for them because why would you do that? It's a waste of time. By the time they're good, he'll be older. So, like, there's a very small – like, the Bears make sense. Brady Ryan Paul knows them. Mm-hmm. They have a ton of draft picks. But, again, if you're the Bears, like, would you rather just keep all your draft picks? You're trying to rebuild. I still think that the, the, the most likely scenario is they figure it out. But if he truly wants a legitimate $30 million a year, that could be a very sticky situation. How should we navigate? How should like the people listening right now, not even the Chiefs and, and, and the Cats brothers, how should Chiefs fans right now navigate the next week in terms of the information that will or won't come out? If it's not a deal in the next week, but we do hear, you know, the report that, well, that may, Jones is being unreasonable, that eventually we'll, I'm sure we'll hear if the deal doesn't get done, or, well, they're just yeah. so far apart, or negotiating in good faith, permission for other teams. What, what should people be listening for and what should we be tuning out? Well, I think all this stuff you got to take with a grain of salt. I mean, as you pointed out, like with Schefter tweeted, I mean, that's absolutely coming from the agents. So they're doing that to put public pressure on the Chiefs and on Veach, and they're trying to get the point across that, like, the Chiefs aren't giving them a good enough deal. Then Nate's reporting comes out, and let's be real, that's coming from the team. Okay, so that is now, it, you'll, now the team's like, hey, look, we're trying here, mm-hmm. but he wants $30 million a year. The question now becomes, if this thing goes another couple of days, and Jones every day doesn't show up, he's got to pay a $50,000 fine that is not refundable. It used to be the team could just forgive it. Now they can't. If this goes in a couple of days, if you're a Chiefs fan, the one thing you don't want to hear is that they're talking about the teams. Yeah. Because that is usually when a trade happens. And I, I can't remember the last time that you start talking about our teams and all of a sudden everything worked out. Now you could say Lamar Jackson, but – that was different. He was on a tag. He was on the contract. Um, I think, look, I still think, though, if you're Jones, it, unless the Chiefs are just so far off, which really is hard to imagine considering how the D-tackles have signed this offseason, mm-hmm. like you know what the market is. So unless the Chiefs are so far off, does it make sense for you if you're Chris Jones to sit there and sit there and sit there and rack up a ton of fines? I mean, maybe at some point, do you hold in? Do you show up and just say, I'm not going to play, but I'm not going to get fined anymore, and you put more pressure on the Chiefs? Maybe. Um, But I think, look, you're going to hear stuff in the coming days if this doesn't get done, because that's just the nature of it. I I have my concern on... Also, if if you are... Advising Chris Jones, if it's his agents or just someone who... Hey, Chris, here's, here's what I'm thinking. What what happens if this drags and the Chiefs say, hey, look, I, we thought we were close many points throughout this offseason, right? We thought we were moving in the right direction, so we weren't seriously right. trying to shop you. This is just where we ended up. But now we're here, and I'll say it's August 1st. We don't have a deal. You're not playing. But we don't—you can talk to whoever you want. We're not getting value for you. 
what happens if it gets to that point where it's like, play this deal out, we'll tag you next offseason, and then we'll take those calls. The next year, that tag is going to be around the $33 million range. They could try to move them then. Maybe at least before the draft, you know what you're, what you're able to get back. It, what what does that logical path look like to you, and how likely is that? Or does does he need a long term deal before he's going to see the field this year? I mean, it's possible. He, I always say this about every player. This isn't specific to Chris Jones. I do not believe for one second he'll miss a game check. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I know Le'Veon Bell did it. People always use that as an example. I would have somebody use it, use another example mm-hmm. and see how long it takes you. Yeah, like, and, and I think Le'Veon Bell would tell you that that was probably a mistake. He should have done it. Mm-hmm. Most guys just do not do so. I don't think he's going to miss any game checks. I don't think the Chiefs think he's going to miss a game check. I do think if you're the Chiefs at some point here, you got to just call up his representation and say, look, this is our best offer. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. This is the best offer. You've got 24 hours. Figure it out. Take it or leave it. And then if you take it, great. All the press conference, all sing kumbaya. Mm-hmm. If you don't take it, then one of two things is happening. Either we are going to trade you if we can find the right deal, or we are going to play this year out. We will then have a decision to make at the end of the year. Do you tag him? Do you let him walk? I can't imagine you'll let him walk out the door for nothing. But if you're the Chiefs, a $30-plus million tag is a hell of a tag to pay. Right. So, but I will say this. Chris Jones has the leverage here. I mean, if, if you're Chris Jones, you're sitting there going, you need me. Because what, what, who are you putting to detackle this year if I'm not there? Mm-hmm. Who's it going to be? And if well, I play out this year, don't Andy, you know, lose me for nothing? You're going to allow that to happen? You're going to tag me? Everybody's going to know at that point that it's, it's, it's gone sour. So he has leverage. The only thing that is holding me back from saying that the Chiefs will eventually cave here is one thing that is true with Tyree Kill's situation that is true with this is Brett Veach has shown. Mm-hmm. He has a number. Yeah. And if you don't meet that number – there are potential actions he'll take that shock people. Nobody in a million years thought they were going to trade Tyreek Hill last year. Yep. They did, and then they won the Super Bowl. I don't think these situations are equivalent. One guy played on the side of the ball with Patrick Mahomes. The other one doesn't. Um, this is in July. That was in March. I think these are totally different scenarios. But the one common tie here is Hill got to a point where, where V just said, I'm not paying that. That is not going to happen. If Jones really truly is sitting at thirty million a year, that's a maybe the Chiefs come up to it, but there's a real world where they don't. Jones is a better player and a more important player than this guy I'm about to invoke the name of, but I, I do think we were expecting or at least thought there was a real chance there'd be a long term deal around this time of year for Tyron Matthew before then they had him play out that last year and then walk. Now again, Tyron Matthew was not getting in trade what, what Chris Jones would get. But I, even thinking ahead to next year, if they, if they do get to the point where it's like, hey, we just we're going to have you play this year and don't miss a game check if you don't want to miss a game check, we'll we'll figure it out next off season. Matthew kind of got to that point pretty early on. We found out more after the fact when he kind of knew like, oh, this extension just isn't happening. I I do have my fear though that as especially like you mentioned, if you tag him, goes south next year, everyone knows it's gone south. Now you're also not just trading the best defensive tackle in football. You you are trading one of the best defensive tackles in football who's 30 years old at that point, you know, a year from now. Yep. That, I, I don't know what the Chiefs would expect to get in return, but it, I have a hard time believing that it would be equivalent to a couple of years of impact from the actual Chris Jones. My personal belief on this is if you're the Chiefs, you just, you got to pay him. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I just don't know. I Well, I, I do know. That defense doesn't work without him. Yep. It doesn't. I don't care how good Nick Bolton is. Watch out! Watch how impacted Nick Bolton is when Chris Jones is standing in front of him. Yep. Like, watch how much harder it is for these young corners when everybody's got all day to throw because you don't have anybody who's a proven high-end pass rusher on that team. George Karloff just looks terrific. Charles Amen, who's a nice player, they're not Chris Jones. I mean, I I don't know how you could sit there and say, yeah, this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to have to score a million points on offense, in my opinion, if Chris Jones is there. And the ironic thing is, and this goes to show great Chris Jones is, I think if Jones is there, there might be a top-ten defense this year. Yep, I do too. But you take that guy out of there, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's like it's like you go out and buy a Maserati, but <laughs> the engine block is made out of paper. Yeah. I mean, looks great, yeah. doesn't start. Yeah. So – I really think if you're the Chiefs, look, there are only three guys on that roster I'd say that about. And Mahomes and Kelsey are the other two. But I just think when you look at Chris Jones and what he's done and how important he is and what a leader he's been to that team, I think you probably just swallow hard and do it unless unless you just truly feel like the number, both guarantee and the annual average value, is just so astronomical that you just fly can't justify it. Then, okay, fair enough. But, you know, 30 a year – like I think twenty eight fair. How far is thirty from that? Right. I mean, I, you know, so it's like you're gonna lose them over what six million over three years. Like I, I just, I don't know. Is it worth it to you if you're the Chiefs to don't lose them over that? I don't think it is, but maybe they feel differently. That's that's where I end up, and it's also one more reason that that the the other element of it that I do wonder about is is. If the if the spread right now is the Chiefs are drawing their line around twenty six and uh, annually and Jones's camp's around thirty annually, well, good news, twenty eight's right there in the middle, and you guys can figure this out. Or and maybe the Chiefs have to bend a little more than they want to. Maybe it's twenty eight five. Is there is there any feeling from you that the guarantees are also part of the problem? Because that's the thing that would give me more concern. If, I think they they can figure out a couple million here or there over the course of several years. That seems reasonable to me. If Jones wants significantly more guaranteed than the Chiefs are willing to offer, I would start getting nervous because that I that I could see the Chiefs starting to balk around there in terms of you know a, a, a defensive tackle or any player yeah. who will be entering his thirties. Yeah, no, and I think that would be the bigger concern. I mean, that would be. So Donald got rolling guarantees up into the nineties. Does Jones want guarantees in the nineties? I mean, I I can't blame the Chiefs at that point if they just say we're not doing that. I mean, we're we're just not going to fully guarantee the next three years. I mean, I I get that. Um, Quinn and Williams came in. I think it was sixty-six million guarantees. That's right. So if you're the Chiefs, I think a fair number. Is like twenty eight million a year, and then seventy two to seventy five million guaranteed. Yeah. And then let's also be clear about this because I feel like whenever this stuff happens, people always jump on the side of their their team because they're fans of the team. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, Chris Jones is a markedly better player than Quinnen Williams or Dexter Lawrence or Jeffrey Sims. Those guys are great players. They are not Chris Jones. Yep. I mean, Chris Jones wrecks games in a way. Very few defensive tackles have ever done. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is in that class of like the upper upper crust of guys that when he plays the way he can play, as he did in the AFC title game, like he wins you the game. 
he basically won the game for them that night. He was so dominant. So I understand if you're Chris Jones saying, you know, I don't, I don't care if I'm a D tackle or a D end. I want to get paid at the top of the mark for an edge rusher. Yeah. Like, I get that. I also get the Chiefs sitting there saying, look, man, you just turned 29. Like, we don't want to do But I, I think if you're being fair to, to Jones, he is such an unbelievable talent. I totally understand if he's sitting there going, well, don't treat me like I'm Quentin Williams because I'm not. Yeah. Treat me more like I'm Aaron Donald because I'm pretty damn close. And I think you know there might be hesitancy, but I don't blame him. Matt Verderam of uh, Sports Illustrated is with us here. And so, Matt, I'll, I'll pivot from one part of the Chiefs that I don't want to see that side of the ball without him on the field to another part uh, where that's that's largely true for me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to get used to it. Uh, because today, when Travis Kelsey was asked about just being out there without Kadarius Tony for the time being, he gave us, uh, I'm sure, much to the Chiefs' chagrin, the most uh, noteworthy injury update we've gotten so far in training camp. He, Travis Kelsey on Kadarius Tony. He was saying the team had all the faith in the world in their training staff, quote, to get him ready either by season or early on in the season. Uh, that, to me, makes it sounds like the, the Chiefs know Kadarius Tony is hurt, hurt, and that we'll hear that officially from Andy Reid tomorrow, but maybe Kelsey let it slip today. Uh, I, walk me through how I should feel about Kadarius Tony right now, and then we can talk about the rest of the Chiefs receiver room without him. I'm sure I'm in the complete minority with this. I obviously hope the guy is okay, and I hope Tony gets well. From a Chiefs perspective, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be even remotely fixed. I like to me, it doesn't change anything I think about the team. He's a spectacular talent. He has also been hurt constantly the first years of his career. Yep. This is not some shocking thing that he's hurt uh, based on history. And sure, he's he's electric, and you want him on the field. They lit the Chargers up like a Christmas tree last year <laughs> on primetime playing you, me, and a ham sandwich at receiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it just doesn't matter. I, I know it, people get freaked out because of the names. I watched the Colts years ago. It was 20, 2009. They were 14-0. They would have gone undefeated if they didn't just start resting guys. Peyton Manning was throwing to guys like Austin Collie and Griff Whalen. Whoa, it was like good that's names. nice. You know, like that's nice. Forty points a game. Yeah. Here it comes. Yeah. If Mahomes is protected and he has Travis Kelsey, they're scoring a billion points. I don't care. Look, all you got to do with him is get half the step open and just not drop it, and you're in pretty good shape. So, does it stink? Tony's hurt. Sure, absolutely. You always want all your guys healthy. But do I think that that team could go 15-2 and two with Kelsey, MVS, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Richie James, and Justin Watson? Yep. Yeah, I do. I don't think it would change a whole heck of a lot for that team. Now, in the playoffs, a play here or a play there, that can be the whole difference. Playoffs are a different story. When they're playing Denver, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think it's going to kill them if Kadarius Tony's uh, not there. No, that's fair, and I, I was, and I really don't know what the answer to this question is because I'm trying to decide if it's even a dumb question fundamentally. Of do the Chiefs win the Super Bowl without Kadarius Tony last year? And I lean yes because they would still have Patrick Mahomes, who just tends to figure out ways to win with whoever's there. But, but the impact yeah. was legitimate, right? So, like that's that's where I'm kind of tiptoeing. It was, but I, I think the answer is yes. I, agree. I mean, look. look. The biggest impact everybody points to is the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? Because he has these. 
The first play, with all due respect to Canarius County, the touchdown catch. Yes. I mean, Nick Allegretti would have scored. That. <laughs> he was open by 30 yards. I mean, he made you know, a nice little cut there, but come on. I mean, he was mm-hmm. open by a million yards. The big play that he made was the punt return. Yep. Which, listen, full credit to him. That's a phenomenal play. That's the play that you look at and go, that's what you're missing when he's not there. The ability to just all of a sudden turn it on and make one spectacular play. And that's why I said, if he's not there in a playoff game, I don't think it necessarily sinks them, but like it hurts you there. Because one play in a playoff game can just change everything. If they're playing the Raiders, yeah. the is the spread like I'll, I'll ask you a question? Mm. Week one against the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. whether he's there or he's not there, is the spread any different? I don't think so. No, no, it's not. No, no. I I wonder. I mean, I think I think non Mahomes side. I think Kelsey moves the line by like what uh, half a point, maybe a point. Yeah, half point, um, a point. Yeah, and I I don't know if Chris Jones would kind of a he might, but it, he it takes a lot. Probably against upper echelon quarterbacks, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just. They lost Tyreek Hill last year, yep. and it was like you know we'll throw for fifty two hundred yards and forty touchdowns and win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But they were completely unfazed by it. They just didn't. Care. I just I'm a firm believer when you have as good of a line as they do and as good of a quarterback as you do, plus the coach, you're just going to score a boatload of points. You just are. It could because it really comes more down to scheme at that point. Mm-hmm. You're just scheming guys open. I mean, how many times does Mahomes throw a ball and the guy's just wide open eight yards down? Now, I'm not saying this makes him great throws, too, but he's going to make the – well, think about – I actually mentioned the game earlier. Think about that Chargers game in, in L.A., that throw Mahomes made down the seam to Fortson. Yeah. I mean, that's a throw that – like, I don't care who's down there. If the guy even has any hands, he's catching it. Fortson had the separation that I would have had on that play, and Mahomes <laughs> It right on him. It, so, to me, I'm not saying Mahomes' life isn't made easier when you've got a Tyree Hill or somebody out there. Of course it is. But when you have that level of a quarterback, if he's protected and you have a good scheme, which they obviously do, you're going to score a ton of points. I just don't, you know, I think, what, maybe you're going to throw a few more screens in there. Mm-hmm. You're going to throw a few more passes to Noah Gray. That's fine. I mean, maybe, the, maybe it takes you 10 plays to score a touchdown instead of eight. Still scoring the touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to, to think about Tony as a guy who can make Mahomes' life a little easier, but isn't necessary to make the offense work. Like something kind of in that in yeah. that space is interesting to me. And so, if if Tony is missing significant time, if we look at the rest of the receiving depth chart, is there somebody who right now you have circled and you go, ah, this he he would be the beneficiary of either not having Kadarius Tony out there very much this season, or just the guy that you think is going to take a step. I'm really interested in Sky Moore. Like I think a lot of people are. Look, Sky Moore, when he was on the field as a receiver last year, was, was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, his biggest issue was sometimes when he ran his routes, and this is true of almost everybody coming out of college, sometimes instead of maybe like a hard cut, he'd round the cut a little bit. And you can do that in college. You can do it in college with 99% of the corners because those guys, they're not going to be able to drive the way an NFL corner does and get underneath you. I think that's something that, you know, he's, he's I'm sure, worked on throughout the offseason, and he's worked a lot with Patrick Mahomes. I think Sky Moore is somebody who I would not be surprised if this year comes in and plays really, really well. I'm not saying he's going to have 1,000 yards. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he had, you know, 700 yards, something like that. Like, I think that's possible. And then, you know, Rasheed Rice, I mean, we all know with the Chiefs, usually rookie receivers don't get a whole lot of statistics. 
But who knows? I mean, yeah, look, they're the rare guy. You never know. You could draft a guy in the first round, a guy could be a total bust. You could take somebody like a Tyree Kill in the fifth round, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's nice. And then all of a sudden, about a week into camp, you're like, who is that? I mean, it's just that's the nature of the NFL. So I think with the Chiefs, it's their cast of receivers is like the cast of friends. It's just an ensemble, right? <laughs> and like one week it's going to be this guy, and one week it's going to be this person. It's just, and then you have Kelsey, who's just every week's good for like 100 yards. Uh, Matt, we could talk about, could have spent this entire half hour talking about the rest of the league explicitly excluding the Chiefs. But before we let you go real quick, uh, give me something that you've found around the rest of the NFL that has really uh, left you either just excited for the NFL season, something that you want to point people to on SI.com, or uh, something going on in the league right now that's caught your attention that uh, people ought to, to catch up on. Which I can, again, read you uh, at SI.com or follow you on Twitter or whatever this website's called, at Matt Verderam. Yeah, on X, apparently, <laughs> which makes it sound like I'm, uh, like, I, I, I won't even say what I'm saying. It sounds bad. Um, There's no good way to read it. Yeah, it's not good. Um, well, yeah, I'll just be self-aggrandizing. So I am going to start a training camp tour on the old 35th birthday. So I'm headed out Excellent. August 4th. I'm going to eight different uh, teams. I will be in Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Detroit, Minnesota, Green Bay, and I will be spending two days in lovely St. Joe's. So uh, I am looking forward. I think I'll be in KC August 14th and 15th, I think it is eight. So uh, anybody sees me, give me a shout, say hi, whatever, flip me off, whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, you know, I don't blame you. So no, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a ton of content coming out of that. And uh should be should be a good time. Looking for the first camp tour. It should be a blast. And you are planning on hitting one Arby's location in each major city? I think what I should do is find an Arby's location in every city and then just write a whole piece about that. <laughs> just, just, you know, like power rank the Arby's. Yes! Yes! How devastating would it be if you're the worst Arby's? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, do you have to just close shop after yeah. that? I think you should get to permanently close one Arby's just with your power in this story alone. I think you should get to promote one to like being something maybe better than an Arby's and then relegate one. Like a Jason's Deli. Yes, one of them evolves into a Jason's Deli and one of them is just shuttered and destroyed. I want to just like take like a bite or two of each roast beef and cheddar because that's what I'd get at every single stop, curly fry. And then if it's not good, just take like the bun off the top of the roast beef and cheddar and just like wail it like, at the building. <laughs> So people just, and I'll take a picture of it. So people just know that place has been marked. It's terrible. Yes. Okay. This is the metric now is how much of the roast beef and cheddar is still stuck to the window out front. Correct. Because if if there's just like one bite, you go, oh, you know, hey, Matt ate most of this sandwich. This must be a pretty good Arby's. It's like the Dairy Queen right. people when they turn the ice cream upside down. Yes. It's the same thing. It's like turning a blizzard, except for it's chucking a roast beef and cheddar. Um, is there an Arby's in St. Joe's? There sure is, man. There sure is. Uh, it's it's it, one of the uh, one of the the spots I have frequented whenever I'm up there for a couple of days back to back. Sometimes you got to treat yourself to a little Arby's dinner. So I don't know when I'll be up there or if I'll be up there for that, but I'll uh, I'll buy Arby's whenever you're in town, Matt. Beautiful. Well, I uh, I, I weep for your uh, your your car's tires and your gastrointestinal system, but I'm very excited to hear uh, how the uh, training camp tour goes, and I'm sure we'll talk to you at some point along the lines of it. All right, sounds good.
Matt Verderam, the brave reporter that he is, from NFL training camp to their closest Arby's locations. You can read his work at SI.com and follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam. I still want to talk about some spag stuff. I still want to talk about some things Verderam laid out, and we're going to do mostly uh, Chiefs throughout the rest of the day because the Royals have more or less left the chat, and the Chiefs just got here. The Zone with Jason Anderson. Donnie Edwards had adult braces, which is a sign of weakness. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I can either talk about Kadarius Tony or Drew Tranquil. I'm Joshua Briscoe, by the way. Jason Anderson back tomorrow. Thanks again to Matt Verderam of SI for joining us. Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass. Dylan, I want to make you choose. Because we got all the way back from break, and I decided I, we can either we can either go one level deeper on the Kadarius Tony side of things, or we can uh, talk about what Steve Spagnuolo said. One of the takeaways being, I got a Drew Tranquil take. Offense or defense, Dylan? You tell me. I'm feeling like the Drew Trank will be more uplifting, maybe, and we need that a little bit with the KT news that we may have gotten from Travis. So I'm going to go Drew Tranquil because I'm also excited about Drew Tranquil this season. Let's talk about the Chiefs defense then and Drew Tranquil, a unit that I do really think is going to be right there in the conversation as a top 10 defense if they do get a contract extension figured out with Christopher Jones. If that doesn't happen, nothing I say but the Chiefs being a top 10 defense can or should be held against me. I think they're going to be a top 5 offense as long as Patrick Mahomes plays football for the Chiefs this year. I think they're going to be right on track as a top 10 defense. You hear them, I'm, you know, 8 to 12 or something. They get top 5, I don't know, but they'll be in that range genuinely as a fringe top 10 defense. If the best player on their defense does play for them. A healthy a healthy caveat. My two takeaways from the Steve Spagnuolo press conference were that one, football is back, Spags is back, we are back. And two, is that we are going to see a lot of Drew Tranquil. Now, I, I figured as much before we ever heard from Spags, who started off by talking about the fact that he pretty much always begins his press conferences with, good morning, good afternoon, what time is it, what day is it, who did we play last week, I don't remember. I just I w- want to make sure this is clear one time again. I genuinely find great joy in Steve Spagnuolo press conferences. I really Same. do. Like, we, the impressions and never knowing what time it is and realizing that he made a mistake today by not wearing a hat and his wife is going to be mad because he didn't put sunscreen on or whatever. I just find him to be... An absolute treat to hear from once a week uh, because he will tell you things about defense and the NFL. You know, he's not going to give you all the secrets, but he's not going to treat you like a dummy. He'll give good answers, thoughtful answers, really talk about the players and coaching, which I really enjoy. And he's just good for like three wholesome chuckles per per presser. So when we when we do our uh, Spags impressions around here, at least for me, it's coming from a, a place of love and appreciation. So the horn blew, and he got out there. And first, talking about this idea that also Nick Bolton, you know, talking about being a, a top ten defense, and Spag saying, hey, "Look, we don't we don't care about being top ten in yards. That doesn't matter. But defensive efficiency, 
and the nine categories that make that up, points, third down, red zone, etc., thought that was interesting because a lot of coaches talk about not caring about the metrics and the numbers and everything, but these are the metrics that you should be paying attention to, and sounds like the Chiefs are. No surprise, just good to hear stuff like that. Paints a fuller picture. Then asked about Drew Tranquil, the former Chargers linebacker the Chiefs signed this offseason, which at the time, my reaction to that signing was, what? Really? The contract, totally fine. Um, don't have the numbers in front of me. Will you pull that up real quick, Dylan, the, what the details were on Tranquil's? Well, let's find a spot track or whatever. But um, One-year deal, non-significant money, real money, but nothing crazy. And what Spags said that just immediately had me locking him into a significant role this year, talking about his positional versatility, that he, quote, stepped right in already, and Spags said it was like he had been here for three years. Oh, man. That right that right there is the, the rocket to the top of a Spags depth chart. What's he making this year, Dylan? So he makes the base salary of a million ten thousand, and his cap hits three million for one year. Okay, so there's other uh, incentives, but his cap hit this year yes, is other three million. Yes, that's the salary cap hit. Yep. So three million dollar cap hit, totally like fudgeable money. One year deal, so that you know doesn't work out, no biggie. But I think it's going to work out great. I think it's going to work out well for him. Imagining that Tranquil's next deal will probably be the one that takes him back out of Kansas City because somebody gives him. Three for 25 or whatever. However that his market evolves. We'll see how this year goes. But I think it's a good bet for Tranquil and a good bet for the Chiefs. But I was surprised because they draft Willie Gay in the second round. They draft Nick Bolton in the second round. They draft Leo Chanel the year after. Not on, uh, not in the second round, but still early. They've invested a lot in their linebackers. Not a terribly modern thing to do. Not terribly analytically sound, just in terms of the general value of the position, the off-ball linebackers. But they've got rookie deals with all of them, so I'm not, like, wringing my hands. And everybody loves Nick Bolton. Everybody except except for Spags loves Willie Gay. <laughs> That's not totally fair, but it's a little fair. But part of the thing that, that Spagnuolo clearly really values, and something that I think is then a part of the question on Willie Gay, it's part of the things he loves about Nick Bolton, something he loved about Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen. They knew what the call was, where to be, how to read it, how to react to it, all of those things. The issue for late-stage Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen was that they knew where to be, but they couldn't get there fast enough for it to matter. Willie Gay, even as a rookie, really, did not know where to be, but got there fast. And that's something where the NFL, I think, has become a little more forward-thinking to say, hey, I'd rather you make a fast mistake than a, a slow, correct decision. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Kim Jordan who was talking about that at that pass rusher camp and said, we love a slow, correct decision. We call them Kirk Cousins. That was before quarterback, though, so, you know. We had a good, we had a good laugh at it. Now I would never disrespect Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you know, jokes still live. But I think it's fascinating and very telling for Spags to say, positional versatility, stepped right in like he'd been here for three years, playing different positions right now, probably going to play all three, 
plus sub packages. That's all stuff Spag said today in one answer, maybe two, about Drew Tranquil. You're going to see a ton of him this year. In part because Spags already trusts him, it sounds like, or at least is starting in a good place to continue building up that trust. Comfortable in the scheme, knows what to be reading and then where to be. And can, I think, the the argument here, even if, I think yesterday the starting lineup was, was Bolton, Gay, and Chanel. The, the reason Drew Tranquil is going to be on the field all the time is because he can be on the field any time in this layout that Spags mentions today. In in this circumstance, he's already playing different positions. He'll probably be able to play all of them. He's also going to be in sub-packages. There's never a time he has to leave the field if this vision for him is true, and therefore he won't leave the field all that often. I, I think there will be a lot of times this year when Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil are your, your, your dime linebackers. Or your nickel linebackers. Um, I don't know what happens when it's just one. I don't know what, when it is it when it is a dime package. I think it's probably going to be Nick Bolton, despite him not being the strongest coverage linebacker to this point. We'll see if any of that changes with another year in the league for him. It's never been a processing issue for Nick Bolton, obviously. It's just being laterally quick. That's something that Gay is, is more laterally quick than Bolton, but it hasn't really become fully his job. Chanel is not your coverage guy at the moment. Um, so it's probably going to be Tranquil or Bolton because I think, again, Bolton clearly has the faith of Spags in the defensive coaching staff, and it seems like Tranquil is is working that way very, very quickly. So maybe, I don't know if that's uplifting or not because you may want to just see more Willie Gay, and this is all now very this is very scary. But I, I think people are going to be – I think they're going to be happy with what Drew Tranquil brings. It's good problems to have when you have all these options and all these questions at a position that seems to be kind of a dying position a bit with the way the offenses are. So, and I think that Drew provides depth and makes other, you know, Chanel's and Gay and Bolton a little more less dependent on themselves for every snap. You win by not having to put Leo Chanel in a situation you don't want him in. 100%. So that is absolutely the redundancies there. It's why the cost for Tranquil's deal I do think matters. It's a good level-headed investment that does seem like now you have an embarrassment of riches at a dying position or at least a, a decreasing in value position. Yes, yes. Linebackers are still playing football, but less of them. I mean, because you are seeing sub-packages, what, what were historically known as sub-packages, actually being your central base defense now. I, I can't remember what it was ahead of... I think it was ahead of last year. It might have been ahead of two years ago that Spags talked about being in sub-packages 70-some percent of the time now. Uh, you you do not get a lot of 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three and two corners on the outside, two safeties deep back. That's just not that's not actually based in the NFL anymore. So that flexibility from your linebackers, that athleticism, that really matters. It's why they signed Drew Tranquil. It's why I was a little surprised to realize that they signed, and, and originally when that deal came down, I was surprised to see that they signed him for as little as they did because I thought that he had some things that were more valuable to the modern NFL linebacker that would have gotten him paid more that a lot of other guys can't bring. Not the case, though, and so he's a chief. I think he's going to be all over the place. We'll keep an eye on that. The defense is uh, at least mildly more fun to talk about right now because we're talking about guys to be excited about, not guys being banged up. 
And then it's what's exactly going on with Chris Jones. These are the moving targets. It's training camp, baby. We're so freaking back. The Zone with Jason Anderson. Josh looked lonely. Yes, yeah, I mean that that's been sense. true for he a long time. He looked lonely, and I had nothing better to do. Just wanted Boy. to get out of the house. That beers, can you clip that for cut so I can have that just as a reminder of how my high school experience went? Weekdays from ten to two on Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Maybe this is the segment we talked about the Royals today because I really tried last night or yesterday. It felt like a dark night. Whatever time that game was happening. It was the evening to me. Today might actually be the one, by the way. I think I said on Thursday or Friday, like it felt like maybe baseball season had ended. Things have been bleak. What's it now? Five in a row. Swept by the Yankees. Training camp starting. And you get this. Because we actually have had three going on four full hours of real Chiefs topics to talk about. Chris Jones does a report. Canarius Tony's hurt. Rasheed Rice looking good. Richie James looking good. We have something more interesting to keep our attention now. And every time I look over at the Royals, it just makes me a little sad. I'm turning off the horror movie and I'm watching Barbie again. And the Chiefs are more fun for it. You're in the zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB.